Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby and this is the H&J Daily, the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, uh, we reflected on the football last night and spoke to someone who was actually in Villa Park in the stadium. Uh, Liverpool supporting comedian uh, Adam Rowe uh, joined us and was on very good form. Uh, Ian Danter uh, was en route to the uh, playoff semi-finals tonight and uh, he talked a bit of striker. You'll hear uh, a fresh striker as well, the Steve Bruce murder mystery. We had uh, some uh, old clips from back in 2006 and also, of course, we had a bit of a conversation as well based on uh, last night's football. So here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. And it's back. And it's it good back. to have something very unimportant to get very annoyed about. It's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. And uh, it, was, uh, yeah, it was... I enjoyed it. I mean, um, a lot of people saying that it's not the same without fans. Of course, it isn't the same without fans. We all know that. And the football wasn't fantastic, especially in the first game. It was a pretty poor game, wasn't it, really? Yeah. But it, that will get better, and uh, we saw that in Germany. And uh, But the main disaster, of course, was the uh, the goal line technology. I mean, it was just... I, I just wonder now whether keepers and fullbacks will be trying to block the sensor as the corners come <laughs> over. It's, you do sense, as you said, it was like an imperfect storm. It was just... They've just. I mean, they've said was it the only time it's ever happened in nine thousand mm, occasions. I know. So it was just that little moment when, for whatever reason, goalkeepers' hands, players' body, and ball somehow got obscured. I mean, you've heard it from Mark Clattenburg. They're saying that had never happened, and they tried every different scenario, but clearly it did. It was just a glitch of the system. And in some ways, you can't blame Michael Oliver for believing it because they're mm. told, as all the officials are told, to trust that technology because it's never let them down before. There's different. The VAR officials different, but I think Michael Oliver in that instance said the watch hasn't gone off, even though he said to Chris yeah. Wilder it had the smell of a goal. So why didn't why didn't he talk? Why didn't he just well, have a chat with the VAR? I mean, when the ball went up the other end, I'm thinking the VAR is going to intervene here. He's going to give a goal. He's definitely going to give a goal. And he didn't. And you're just yeah. thinking, why Why didn't you? You know, you can, you can see it's a goal. You can see it's gone in. Hopeless, really. I love the Guardian's caption, though. It says, uh, uh, Nyland stumbles and seems to take the ball over the line. <laughs> seems. What are we talking about? Seems to. It was miles over. Peter Walton, though, in the in the Times, he was a bit harsh on Hawkeye because, you know, like you say, I think they've done 9,000 games without this happening or something like yeah. that. Ridiculous. He said, uh, 
basically, goal line technology was introduced after many years of experimenting to ensure it was 100% foolproof. If with this angle, goalkeepers and defenders can occlude the technology, then that wasn't what was sold to the Premier League or the game's lawmakers. I mean, it's a bit harsh doing that now. It's never happened before. It was a complete one-off. I can't imagine it's going to happen again, and I'm sure they'll take well, steps, won't they, to try and do something about well, it. Well, they'll try, but you know, will they trust the technology from now, now on? Whenever we hear it, whenever the referee's watch does go off, will VAR check it every time? Do they want to make sure it's right? There's doubt now. There was no doubt well, they're supposed. To, they're this supposed was the to only thing it. we trusted. We used to sit here, didn't we, all of us, and say, well, yeah. at least goal line, te- goal line technology works. We all said the same thing. Mm. But now yeah. it clearly doesn't, not on every occasion, does it? Well, once out of 9,000. <laughs> I think it'd be I'll harsh tell you what, mate, if Chelsea has sawn off in similar circumstances, <laughs> I think, I'd love you to be quite as stoic as that. Uh, no, I, don't I think, think, you I think, I think that... I think I feel for Sheffield United. How many points have VAR cost them this season? They seem to have been involved in a lot of these incidents, close offsides, one last night. But to be fair, I didn't. Th- I mean, I've loved Sheffield United this season. I think they've been brilliant, but I thought that was the worst they've played all season. I yeah. didn't think they deserved to win the game. They had a long time to score after that goal, which they didn't really ever look like doing. And I thought Villa really had the best of the game. So while I understand why they're very, very angry and upset about it, in the end, I think it would have been a bit harsh on Villa anyway. To, to sure, yeah, they did game. have some good, uh, did have some good chance. There's some interesting. It was hard to know what was who was worse though, Paul Tierney or David Luiz. It was quite a close one, wasn't it? <laughs> God, and that lovely. I was telling you about that thing when he played for Chelsea. His traditional running back into shot, into frame as the goal goes in. Yeah, he, the number of times he does that, it's amazing. And that first one was terrible, and the second one was much better either. Yeah, the first one, he pulls a great face when it kind of uh, cannons off his knee, doesn't he? He's like, oh, no, he just he knows <laughs> he knows this one's probably going in. So, uh, yeah, but well, when we'll Mustafi, have a talk. Yeah, yeah. sorry, Andy. Yeah. No, I was going to say, when Mustafi went down, and he looked like he was injured, I thought, blimey, Arsenal got no centre-halves left. It was going to be Gunnasaurus or Frank McClintock were next in line. Yeah. I mean, it, they've got a lot of problems. And then now this game against Brighton, instead of being an advantage having played Wednesday, which it should have been, you know, it looks like that'll be a slight disadvantage, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we talked to Paul Barber about that the other day, didn't we? But uh, Sydney in flashes played some lovely stuff. I mean, you know, in those isolated moments when you're just watching the ball ping around, you're watching some great football, then you, you kind of forgive everything else, mm. don't you, really? Uh, we're going to talk to someone in a minute who was in, in the stadium at Villa Park last night. Were you um, crowd effects on or crowd effects off, or did you did you mix and match? I, I was both. Uh, I started with, uh, well, at first, I thought, what was going on? I didn't realise the crowd effects would be there without you asking them, so I thought they were pumping it out of the stadium, and then I realised, no, they weren't doing that. And I, I don't like it. I think the problem with it is you, you hear it, it sounds okay. It works well on radio. I think yeah. it's great for radio. But as soon as you see the empty crowd and the empty stands, it just looks like fake news. It just feels fake completely. So I'd rather have the real thing. I'd rather have the, the sound of the players. Uh, like I said, I did listen to a bit of our opposition radio commentary, and it did sound a bit like cricket commentary, to be really honest. It was very sort of like, it was almost whispered. You know, that doesn't work. And we used to do games off tube with, let's be honest, we might as well admit it, a long back time ago. Back in the day. Yeah. Back in the day with fake crowd sound. And I think it sounded better than what I heard on radio last night. But on TV, no, for me, it's definitely the purity of yeah, the I think players. People are really split on it, though. I mean, it's only a kind of social media uh, straw poll. Mm. But you did really feel some people were saying, oh, I've tried it without, it's very flat, I can't watch it like that. Others said, oh, it's just kind of terrible fake noise. I can't yeah, get into it. it. So people are very, very split on it. 
Yeah. Uh, in the end, I'm definitely going with no crowd, really. I did have a thought that should corner kicks have a time limit? Because the longer the kicker takes, the more close jostling there is. So if they want to avoid this sort of thing of players, you know, basketball, you can't be quite difficult for the ref yeah. to do that, I suppose. But it, it did seem to take... There was one particular corner where they were doing a lot of jostling. I thought, this is, this, this is not ideal. But There's other things all, I, I noticed. I just noticed last night, Andy, that the English managers... Uh, well, no, I think all managers generally, but certainly some of the older school English managers that we saw in the first game in Dean Smith and Chris Wilder. They're very tactile people. They do their best at social distance. But it, we noticed they were kind of offering an elbow to a player, then slinging an arm around them and giving them a hug. Because <laughs> it's difficult. I, mean, I think with Jack Grealish, he said something to Chris Wilder. They were joking. They had a laugh and he put an arm around him. I just think in the moment... There's only so much you can do, isn't there? I think that you're going to have to cut these guys yeah. some slack. We can't be slagging them off every 10 seconds. For, or you can't be shouting social distance every 10 seconds because, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's the no. nature of the game, isn't it, really? It's very, very difficult. I thought the players and officials would have much longer hair and beards than they did. Although Michael Oliver did look like he was using a lot of product to control his because he normally, really? I checked him out, normally he's a short back and sides man. So he was like a sort of more full, a full look. But some of, them, some of the players, they, like they had some very good self-dyed do's and, you know, Jack Greenish's hair was incredible. Well, it's great, you focus, there, it's great you focused on the well, hair. Well, I like Andy. to focus on those things. Yeah, it's important, isn't so, it? Hector uh, Bellerin's hair's got shorter in case you want to know. Oh, thank you. Anyway, hair watching any others? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> I tell you, what, I didn't agree with Gary Neville about the the possibility of the continuous schedule becoming a permanent thing. I can't think of anything worse. You know, this idea that like they do in Spain, so the games start Friday night and they go one after the other right through the weekend. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I wouldn't have a life or a marriage if that happened. I think I quite like it being in a. You need a break. Degree. Well, I think everybody does. I can't see that wall to wall thing as a helpful thing, but you know, well, he we to need feel one it might now. Be that comes the whole. Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Now, of course, only 300 or so people can be in the stadium for one of these Premier League matches. And we're going to chat to someone now who was at Villa Park last night. It's the Sun's very own Dave Kidd. Good afternoon, Dave. Hello, chaps. You all right? Not too bad, yes. Dave. Is it right up there with your strangest uh, press box match day, <laughs> press box match day experiences? Would you say? Yeah, sure it, it certainly is. was. Yeah, I've only done one before behind closed doors, which was the Croatia England game a couple of years ago when uh, Croatia had the, the sort of punishment for racism, and, we, and that was behind closed doors. And that was a nil-nil draw, and so was the one I went to last night. So I still haven't seen a goal behind closed doors. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, obviously this was even stranger still because of all the social distancing. Um, in fact, at that Croatia game, I think we could get very close to the pitch and really hear properly uh, what was being shouted between the players, which was quite an, quite an education in itself. We didn't quite get that last night. I heard a few a few expletives when um, um, when the refereeing blunder happened before half-time, but um, didn't hear too too much. But yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's obviously, as, as, as we fully expected, it, it's a very odd and eerie experience. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's certainly an experience. <laughs> What, what did you make actually live in the ground of that incident? Because obviously on telly, we, we yeah. saw it in a different way it, to you. It was a weird one, Andy, actually, because um, we haven't actually got replay screens now, which we'd normally have in our normal press box seats because we're because of social distancing, we're scattered all over what would normally be the, the paying punters seats. So um, it, uh, you don't often really, really need a, um, a replay screen, but for that incident, you certainly did. So it wasn't great timing. So we obviously did, did get to see a TV replay some minutes later during half time. It looked, I mean, now we were sort of level with the, um, most of the written press were level with the opposite penalty area, so quite a distance away, but it looked, and from the players' reactions, you can usually tell that it was definitely a goal. I thought I saw 
um, you know, the ball, you know, in the side netting as it as it was when the, when the keeper had, had fallen back over the line. So it looked it looked a goal. Um, but uh, you know, I have a, a lot of sympathy with Michael Oliver, the ref, because we all believe, including Oliver himself, we all believed um, that goal line technology, unlike VAR, was you know infallible really um it's never happened before so when, when he you know clearly points at his watch you think well it obviously didn't cross the line our eyes were obviously deceiving us from from some distance and, and then you see it on the screen and it and it's and it's it's clear as day that, that the ball's crossed the line so um what, what a way for the premier league to come back i mean you really couldn't have predicted that after like I say, after months of meticulous planning for all this the one thing that everyone thought was foolproof then then goes on the blink uh, straight away it's crazy really and on that yeah. subject, Dave, you wonder where we go from here because there's going to be, maybe in the short term anyway, until people get the trust back in it, initially there's going to be, you would imagine VAR taking a look at that. It was always an instant decision, as you yeah. say. We all trusted it. The referees trusted yeah. it. The fans trusted it. So what do we do now? Does it become, does it be, yeah, does it become I, VAR looking at it a second time? I, I would have thought so. That's the obvious thing. I mean, I was I was slightly confused as to why they didn't. I was uh, on. This is going on the word of Mark Halsey, who does a uh, sort of refereeing sort of experts column for us now and again, and, and or regularly, in fact. But um, he he sort of said that it's not in the protocol for it was uh, Paul Tierney who was the the VAR official for him to actually check that. If if it had been the other way round and Oliver had awarded a goal but shouldn't have been he, he, he then intervenes but when a goal is not allowed it's not really within his protocol to then say actually mate that was that was a perfectly good goal but in terms of common sense he, you know he clearly should have done if there's any room for common sense in this day and age with, of, of technology and decision making so um i i think um you wouldn't you would you would assume that the on-field referee continues to believe um, the um, the goal line technology system, given that they're, as they said, in the Hawkeye in their um, in their apology, that it's the first time it's happened in 9,000 matches. So if we say there might have been about a thousand such incidents, and that's the first time it's happened, maybe um, then you know I think the, the on-field referee should probably continue to believe it. But if there is a glaring error, surely VAR should be picking that up and saying, "Hang on, this, that's clearly an error." Sure. It seems to be a bit of confusion, Paul. What do, what do you make of this as well? Because we've got an expert who advises us on these matters, Dave, and he said that VAR could have reviewed the technology, that they can t- review it. It's like no one seems yeah. to know what the real thing is. Yeah. Okay, well, I was kind of what Mark Halsey had said there. So yeah, I'm, no, I know. I agree. I'm on the Bible. But, um, yeah, it, it does. Seem, if that isn't the case, then it seems crazy. Um, so either Tierney's made a, made a major error or the protocols were wrong. I'm not 100% certain which way around it is, but you know, I, I, I think it's very difficult to have blamed Oliver there, there you know, mm. in that instance, even though there's, he, he is probably England's best, almost certainly England's best referee. And there's no doubt that if we hadn't had goal line technology, um, he would have awarded that goal. It was pretty clear, um, certainly from where he was. Um, it just looked absolutely like a goal. It didn't. It didn't really look close, did it? The, just the, the, the manner of the way he fell back into the side netting, it was pretty obvious. And this guy's got pretty good eyes and, and a pretty pretty good, uh, you know, a pretty he's pretty decisive. He's, he's a very good referee, but he he's clearly you know no longer able to believe his own eyes when he when he believes the technology is infallible. Mm. Nice line in your piece, Dave. That I'd not really thought of, but makes sense, and I think we'll chime with the listeners. You miss the smell of football on your way to the ground and in the ground. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I mentioned uh, yeah, fried onions and, and horse manure and that kind of police horse manure <laughs> and that kind of thing. It is it is very strange. I mean, um, heading to I mean Villa Park. I think you always I always tend to think that the older grounds are the most atmospheric, and I'd certainly put Villa Park up there with that. And uh, particularly to go to, to a game there and, and and not have the whole end in, in full throw um, was strange. But it is just when you when you're driving to the ground and, and it's and it's pretty deserted. There's not the usual you know there's there's no merchandising stalls or hot dog stairs like I say or police or any of the, you know and obviously people falling out of pubs it, it's um it, that, that whole thing's missing you know you just you, you you drove up there you didn't see any supporters on the streets I saw a really small handful outside the gates as we were coming out an hour or so after the game a very small amount certainly weren't causing any trouble by the way but I suppose they shouldn't have been there but on the way in saw no, no supporters at all and you literally you arrive there and, and there's just lots of security guys in, in, in surgical masks and uh, and it's a very peculiar experience really and uh, yeah I mean we always knew I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a match going fan myself as well away from my job and I mean, you know, I know perfectly well. You know, we as match-going fans are going to miss it, and also as a journalist, you really, really miss um, the, the fans being there. It, the whole thing felt very strange. It was it was strange in all kinds of ways, and some some mm. ways it was good in terms of the the uh, the Black Lives Matter um, the, the, the taking the knee um, it was, was was really quite powerful, powerful, wasn't it? Powerful, yeah. But I I I saw, also think it. I don't know. It, may, it would have been different, perhaps more powerful still. If if there've been supporters in in the stadium as well, with that, it, it, the whole the whole the whole thing is is is, is very very odd, um, and everybody wants supporters back. Maybe maybe first of all in smaller numbers, and then in in, in four houses before too long. And let's, let's hope that's the case. Good stuff. Good to talk to you, Dave. Thanks very much. Cheers. All the best, chaps. Cheers. Bye bye. Thanks, Dave. Dave Kidd, who was in Villa Park yeah. last night, and we we can reiterate actually, our understanding is on very good authority that VAR could have intervened. Last night, that's in the laws and the VAR protocol as it stands, and uh, so that that's the situation. Yeah, that's that's what we thought, wasn't it? So yeah, oh well. Uh, and it does seem odd. I do? mean, even if the even if the lino had, had said who looked to be in line had shouted to uh, Michael Oliver, that looks in Michael. But as I said, I think everybody trusts. They don't trust their own eyes because they <laughs> no, thought the watches work. They thought the system. If you've got worked. something that's infallible, that's worked for nine thousand games, yeah. you can't blame them for for trusting for saying I oh, will. No, it, it must have. Been. I mean, even I thought when it was in the goal, and you could see it was in the goal. I was thinking, well, is there some part of the ball? Is it you know? Because you 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 do trust that technology. So you know, I don't blame them for that. And uh, but I think the VAR is supposed to check everything, isn't it? So I mean. There's no reason why they had plenty no. of time. There was no reason why he couldn't have called it I think, back or said I to think they, they were Let's all have another thrown. look at this. Yeah, they were yeah. all thrown. That's all he had to say. Fact. Let's have another like, look at this. That's yeah, all they had to do. In that moment, as you said, Andy, when you completely trust something, um, uh, in that moment, you decide. Well, it must. It, my eyes are wrong. That must be the case. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. At one point last night, talking of the sound and the weather, hearing that sort of heavy rain at Manchester with a very crackling effect on the. It was like Hugh Johns in Mexico in 1970. It had quite yeah. an interesting effect. It was good to hear Martin Tyler's voice back. I know we've heard him on sort of nostalgia thing, but to hear him commentating live again was 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 great. And uh, there were some interesting moments. They were right. That Edison not only did he set up the goal, but the ball before was utterly ridiculous what yeah. a boy he's amazing isn't he things like that you you have missed and made it worth i was really admiring city and then i remember oh we go we've got to play them next week at the bridge yeah. <laughs> with no home advantage whoops 
Yeah, they, and you saw their strength in depth, and you when they kept bringing on, you know, like Bernardo Silva and people like that, you think, oh, they have got a tremendous squad, especially when they're all fit. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was good. Uh, what else have we got? Oh yeah, did you see this letter? <laughs> this is a mad letter. I mean, Marcus Rashford's been brilliant, hasn't he? He's done a wonderful job, but people have got to give him a bit of a break here. It says this bloke Mick Crossy wrote from Luton to the Sun today. It was indeed commendable of Marcus Rashford to get a campaign uh, for children to get free school meals. Uh, I wonder if he will now lend his support to the campaign for free TV licenses for the elderly. Blimey, it's not down to him. You can't <laughs> expect Marcus Rashford to uh, everything that's wrong in this country. Yeah, he can't. I mean, he can't. He can't solve it all, can he? I'm sure his nan will be saying, definitely I'd like you to get behind that campaign. He could probably get it sorted out if he really wanted to. He probably could, yeah. No no problem. Uh, We're going to hear from um, the Moose later on, by the way. And uh, he's he's right across all the press conferences. And uh, Jose Mourinho is speaking at the moment. And the shock news has arisen that Harry Kane will start on Friday. No, really? I thought they might put one of the kids in. Um, But apparently they do have an injury issue around uh, Lo Celso. So we'll we'll find out a bit more about that from uh, Moose. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very tough game for Tottenham now. I think United are going to hit the ground running. And, you know, they do look strong. Talking of Spurs, would you like the latest offering from the good people at Danbury Mint? I'll show it to you on House Party. It's mm. the Tottenham Hotspur Golden Cockerel Clock. Look at that. Isn't that a beautiful it's item. Lovely, there, isn't it? Yeah, lovely. It's it's lovely every carriage piece. clock with a big golden cockerel on the top of it. Lovely. Yeah. So How much, Andy? For Christmas. Uh, very reasonable. One hundred and thirty-nine pounds plus four pound eighty postage and handling, but available in four monthly instalments. If you felt so inclined. Okay. Well, if I get my season ticket money back, I can uh, I can spend <laughs> yeah. it on that, can't I? The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. We're going to have a chat with Ian Danter. He's your commentator on TalkSport 2 for the first of the League 2 playoff semi-final first. Let's Colchester Exeter. He's en route to the ground. Good afternoon, Dance. Hey, Paul. Hi, Andy. How are you, chaps? Yeah, we're not, yeah, we're not good, too thanks, bad. Uh, you, some actually, of the boys... Actually, I, 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 should, uh, I should say I'm in my 3.2 lead, uh, Jaguar. 
with uh, climate control, uh, automatic gearbox, and and. Uh, and it's, it's a beautiful car. Yeah, it's, it's, it certainly it is. Oh, we've got another striker coming up later. Again, thanks for doing that uh, for us. It's, um, I, I we'll keep our power to drive up. To, uh, all we can say is that Steve is aware. Steve is aware of your work. And, oh, uh, and we'll tell you more about no, no, that. No, no, in a good uh, way. In a good way, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, thought, I, I thought for one moment I was a dead man. No, no. <laughs> so, it's we'll amazing, though, Dance. Hmm. The, the listeners, sorry, Paul, before we come on tonight's game, the, we've had a great reaction to this, Dance. People have really enjoyed it. They're sort of hanging on Steve's every word. So, uh, <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, I know. We'll, I, I get messages, too, and, and, um, and, and your backroom staff let me know that there's, you know, there was outcry on, on a day when you, you, you were running short of time to play an episode and thought you couldn't fit it in, and the messages came flooding in saying, play it! Yeah. Uh, so that, 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 that's nice to know. But obviously what happens is Paul sends me a, a couple of chapters at a time, uh, and I, I, at first I thought, Paul, about you know pouring over them before I read them in, in the audio book Steve Bruce style. But then I thought, no, just... Just read it as you see it, and just if, if something, if you want to editorialise and come up with something, just uh, do it on instinct rather than having read it four yeah. or five times beforehand. But of course, you haven't sent me the whole book, so I still don't know who <laughs> killed who did Duffy. it. <laughs> good, no, okay, I'll keep feeding it through to keep you keen. And it's a testament <laughs> to your performance, and indeed a testament to Steve's writing that it's hooked people. They're they're bought into the story. They want to know what happens next. Well, I do. I'm I'm absolutely all over the place wanting to know. And, you know, you're, you're you're withholding chapters from me, and I, I yeah, I'm I'm losing sleep at night wondering uh, wondering who it is. I mean, the list of suspects is much longer than your average Scooby Doo cartoon. So yeah. you know, uh, it's 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 by no means, or it's, as Steve might say, it's by no means an open and shut case. That's indeed sure. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. The Talk Sport Clips of the Week. Yeah, time for another Clips Rewind. Uh, this one from 2006. Uh, some old clips have been uh, buried under stuff in the office, but uh, they have <laughs> resurfaced, and uh, we've not heard them since. We'll have a fresh batch, hopefully, for you tomorrow. But for now, we begin with a caller talking home security. The answer is in deterrence, and I think, apart from women, they probably wouldn't be able to handle this, he said, get hold of a crowbar or make it plain there's a crowbar. Now, if they don't get out when you display a crowbar, then you must thwack them with a, with a, pro, a crowbar, whether it be, it'll break the, either the leg or the arm. When you warn them to get out, then they are in the risk of getting thwacked with a crowbar. Now, that's my solution to it. A crowbar. No, the answer is to have a deterrent. Have a crowbar in the bedroom. And that should be displayed to all the burglars, and that's the answer to it. Well, I've had my say. You certainly have. You yeah. maybe put a sticker in the window uh, <laughs> yeah. with a picture of a crowbar on it so, to ward off he any only, burglars. He only just crowbarred that point in, didn't you feel? <laughs> he did. He did crowbar it in slightly. Yeah. <laughs> and that prompted another caller on the same subject. I'm, I'm over sixty years of age, and me uh, going out a burglar with a, a crowbar might not be uh, might not be the answer. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> soon, soon well, nailed that one then. Talk crowbars. <laughs> so much for the crowbar theory. Uh, this is uh, Paul Breen Turner and Rodney Marsh. 
Hazel, we like yeah, well you very done. much, yeah, and you well live in a done. great place, but yeah. you can't do that. I mean, that is outside of the laws of the game. It really <laughs> it's is not acceptable, right. is it? No, uh, but well done, Hazel. I mean, that is you must have ESPN. Extraordinary. <laughs> ESPN, nice. Feathering his nest for a job when he went back to America, I think, Rodney. So, there. That's so sport, isn't it? <laughs> very sport, yeah, yeah. It is. Is it me? It's you. It's, uh, it's you. It's me. We go to the moose now, and here he is getting countered. And finally, the owner of a Romanian bakery has asked employees to have their heads shaved uh, to resemble the bread that they bake. Uh, the boss of the bakery in central Romania wants to create an easily recognisable trademark for the company. He also wants all 60 members to uh, have their heads shaved for hygienic and marketing reasons. Uh, of course, when they have all their hair removed, the workers will indeed have a close shave. What? Close, be a close shave for them. Well, how is that bread connected? Well, it's not really. <laughs> Fantastic! Beautiful. There we are. So there's the there's the moose. Is that your phone, Andy? Do you need to answer it, or no, you're all right? I think it's, I think it's the wife. There. What's going on? Okay, so right, she's on the case now. Okay. So um, it is me now. Here's Mike Mendoza uh, speaking to a guest. No, not not. If he's got the wrong number on it. They can't trace you, can they? Well, they can because they take just like the other chap earlier. He had these cameras taking all these pictures. Oh, that's a bummer. So they get your um, tax disc. Ah. Cow in the studio. <laughs> it, did, it did sound like Mike was broadcasting a farm there, from a farm there, didn't it? It did. Yeah, ah. yeah it did, absolutely. Well so done. here's a guest uh, on Andy Townsend and Mike Parry's weekend sports breakfast show, Talking Chelsea. And I remember the days when we didn't have two pennies to rub together till we sure. got a sugar daddy. Mm. I mean, we even had to sack the cat. Because mm. we couldn't afford his milk. Mind you, he was greedy, Luke. He was going through a few pints. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, but he, so. <laughs> What? <laughs> I don't know. The bloke, that was the bloke belatedly laughing at his own gag, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, I know. It was, yeah, that well. was bizarre. I've never heard you have that emojis for that now. It's I think great. we do. That's true. What's next, then? Uh, this, this is Mike Parry setting up a quiz question. In this particular season, Arsenal played Borussia Dortmund. Their next match was against PSV Eindhoven, and their third match was against O'Air. <laughs> O'Air? Did he mean Oxair? <laughs> Honestly, talk John O'Air. better than it used to be. I do feel this. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, it's Mike Parry again. And we know how much he loves a good old sing-song. And this is an attempt at Tom Jones' legendary Green Green Grass of Home. Um, yes, there. Uh, no, yes, they'll all come walking on the day, or something like that. You know, <laughs> but it's, it's uh, but it's uh, anyway, oh, Mary with the ruby red lips. That's right, Mary with the ruby red lips. I wake up in the cell. It's something about I wake up in the cell. Right, we'll get the words for you. Don't worry about that. You give us enough. And my mama <laughs> on the bus. I saw young Mary with her fulsome red lips on the prairie. Something like that. <laughs> Nothing like don't, that is what you're looking don't for. Don't get in right? the lyrics. It's much funnier. Absolutely if you nothing like that. So there we are. We've got, I think we've got a few yes. more of these from that year. We'll just dot them around and we'll bring you some fresh clips of the week all being well at 3.30 tomorrow. But it's time for Stryker. We're going to rejoin okay. Stryker. This is Steve Bruce's Murder Mystery, uh, one of the three books he wrote in the late 90s while still at uh, Manchester United. And it involves the Lettersford town manager, Steve Barnes. It's a whodunit. He's been accused. He was accused. He's off the hook now. He was accused of murder. He's, uh, it was his star striker, Pat Duffy. But uh, Steve is off the hook, it seems. But he wants to find out who the murderer is. And he's just held a team meeting with the players and the coaching staff. 
ahead of the big promotion six-pointer against Fulton. Steve is just about to leave the ground to head home when this happens. Julie, I need a fleet car to take me home. Before you go, Steve, there's a girl wants to see you. Where is she? Sitting in reception. She's been there for hours. Well, I hope someone offered her a cup of coffee. Or maybe some chamomile tea. I like that. Julie looks serious. She says the father of her child is the guy who killed Pat Duffy. Chapter 10. The girl was a stunner. Even in an advanced stage of pregnancy when many females do not look at their best, she was a remarkably pretty girl. This is hardly surprising when you come to think of it. Young football stars are athletic, committed to pleasure and socialising, and rich. So it follows that they're going to attract talent. Bet you've not heard him called that for a while. Please sit down, I said. Can I get you anything to drink? Chamomile tea? No, thank you. I prefer to say what I have to say and then leave. You claim to know who murdered Pat? I don't merely claim, she said. I know for certain. Then tell me, I urged her. Do you have a name? I didn't catch it. Michelle. And your surname? Just Michelle for the moment. Okay, Michelle, whatever you say. Please, she said, let me begin at the beginning. It was a co-educational private school. I was in the year below him. Even then he was known to be a good soccer player. I began to wonder which of my squad had enjoyed the privileges of a private education. I couldn't think of anyone. Was this girl simply weaving a fantasy? Or could it be that in my short time at the club, I'd not come to know all my players well enough? Were you educated in Scotland? I asked. What makes you think that? Nothing. A shot in the dark. Of course, though I didn't tell the girl, I was thinking of Jimmy Lawson. Oh, he's putting two and two together. Uh, if any listeners this afternoon, uh, people in the late stages of pregnancy, we apologise on Steve's behalf. He was, <laughs> he was very rude about you there. I'm sure you're blooming. Uh, not, not according to Steve, obviously. But uh, what do you think, Andy? You ordered a fleet car there. Where's the Jag gone? That's a bit of a oh, problem, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's been impounded. <laughs> Michelle for the moment. It's a strange name, but there you go. Good stuff. All there good we are. Stuff. More, Very more enjoyable. From, beautifully, the way we eased into chapter 10. Halfway uh, <laughs> through. <laughs> lovely, lovely stuff. Anyway, uh, more from Dance as Steve Bruce. Uh, tomorrow. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Well, City's win last night confirmed that uh, Liverpool will have to wait slightly longer, but probably not that much longer, to uh, secure the title. It won't be happening at Goodison, which I'm sure was a great relief for all the Evertonians, but wouldn't have played so well with our next guest, Liverpool supporting comedian Adam Rowe. Hi, Adam. Hi, Amaze. How are we doing? Yeah, we're good, thank you. I mean, look, it would have been been sweeter to happen at Goodison, but uh, you're probably not too fussed, are you? No, I don't, like... It would be good. To, it would have been good to get it done at Goodison just for the sake of winding that lot up. But I, I don't. I don't think they deserve any more pain than they've had from Liverpool's resurgence over the past few years. So I think it's only fair that they get to have a home derby where Liverpool can't win the league. You've got to give them something every now and then. <laughs> you must be looking forward to seeing them again because they were playing so well, weren't they? And uh, we saw with City last night. You know, it's still possible to play some nice football even if you have had three months off. Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of, I'm in two minds about the restart because I think 
from watching the Bundesliga and watching the, f- the first two games back last night, it is missing something. And I've been watching it with the, the crowd noise on because I think that adds a little bit to it. And <laughs> I think if if Liverpool had won like the last four titles and we were going for our fifth in a row or whatever, and or we'd been winning titles regularly anyway over the past decade, I don't think I'd be that bothered about the restart. I'd be like, look, let's just wait as long as possible get the fans back in the stadium. But just because it's going to break our duck, like, we've got to take what we can get. And if that means winning sure. it behind closed doors after 30 years, then we'll take that. At least it's finishing. That's the important thing, isn't it? That would have been terrible if the season had, had not been able to finish. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it just... When, when it all went down, I think me and a lot of other Liverpool fans I was talking to were like, it's literally got to the point we found another way to lose a league <laughs> <Yes>. title. Like, <laughs> Liverpool's relationship with league titles is like Everton's relationship with games at Anfield. In every year, they find a new way to lose it. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we've had Gerard slip. We've had last year where we amassed 97 points and still can't quite make it. And over the years, you know, Everton have had goals going in the 95th minute off the post, Mane's tapping. Then last year, Jordan Pickford can't quite reach the crossbar and it bounces off Divock Origi's neck and ends up in the goal. Yeah, and I think for a long time, Liverpool's relationship with the Premier League title has been synonymous with Everton's relationship with matches at Anfield. Uh, And it looked like at the start of this year, it looked like World War III might be about to happen with... The, the tension between the United States and Iran and I was like are we really going to is it going to take World War 3 to stop us and we managed to get past that World War 3 stopped World War 3 could not stop Liverpool claiming their first title in 30 years and then this unprecedented pandemic comes along it's just like we'll stop it when, I'll be honest with you, when League 1 uh, was it League 1 no it was Holland wasn't it was it yeah the, as he said we're cancelling it and there's no there's no league champion. I got a bit nervous then, but I just think the amount of money in play with the Premier League meant it was, if there was any league that was going to get finished, it was always going to be the Premier League. So once yeah. you've seen the Bundesliga and the La Liga and that coming back, it always looked unlikely that they were just going to bin the Premier League off. Uh, yeah, Given that it's league. almost impossible for Liverpool not to win the title, how, how do you imagine you're going to celebrate? It's going to be different, isn't it, to how it would have been? Definitely. I, I agree with Jürgen Klopp, though. I think he made a statement in an interview last week where he's like, it doesn't matter when we're allowed. If it's 12 games into next season, when mass crowds are allowed and encouraged again, then we'll do a trophy parade then. Mm. And everyone else can think we're weird and crazy and insane, but it doesn't matter because we're owed a title parade. So if that <laughs> has to happen in October or January or February. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We've waited long enough. And there'll be a load of people on Twitter, Everton fans, Man United fans, Chelsea, Arsenal, whoever, all slagging us off, saying, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. It's ridiculous. It's childish to do that in the middle of the next season. They're living in the past again. They're celebrating a title they've already won. We don't care. I kept saying this to me, mates, when they kept saying there's going to be an asterisk over the title. It's like, good. We'll be the only one who's got one. We'll be the first asterisk champion. You, you can put it on with the stars on the shirt. You can have an asterisk on the shirt, couldn't you? Yeah. But that's an incredible notion to just put an asterisk <laughs> in amongst our six Champions League stars. <laughs> now, um, 
It's, we've spoken to a lot of comedians in lockdown. This has been an incredibly tough time, obviously, and, and probably continue to be for live gigs. But you've done your future gigs no harm by putting up one of your gigs on YouTube. And I see even 30,000 views. It's, like, it's basically like uh, playing about sort of uh, 10 nights at Hammersmith Apollo or something, isn't it? A few nights at Wembley. <laughs> yeah, man. It's been, it's been really, really positive, that. So I, I film a lot of my stand-up. So... Often I'll be in like London for the weekend and I'll just like hit up a camera guy and say, look, I'm doing four sets over the weekend. Do you want to come and film them? And I had quite a lot of footage just in the bank ready to do something with. But because of how busy I've been over the the past 18 months with actual gigs and traveling all over the place to, to do them, I'd never really got around to putting the stuff together. And then when lockdown hit, I just needed a project to just take my mind off like how awful everything was. So I went through and I found this footage from November 2019 and it was a night at the comedy store in Leicester Square in London Mm. uh, or Piccadilly Circus. I'm not quite sure where they sort of identify themselves as (laughs) the the London comedy store. So Mm -hmm. what I've done is uh, when, when you're a club comedian and you're doing club sets before you go on to do your own big tours, you're doing 20 minute sets of a weekend. But at the comedy store, you do two. Now, most comedians do the same set twice. But on that night, I decided I'm going to do two completely different sets, film it, and then I've got that in the bank if I ever want to use it. So I've essentially put together a full-length stand-up special myself. Brilliant. Got shot at the comedy store in front of, like, not my fans, they're comedy club fans, so it could have gone horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. Uh, but luckily it didn't. It's been one of the most well-received things I've ever put out uh, personally. It's on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Comedy. And yet, as of today, we hit 30,000 views. Nice uh, one. It's, it, it's doing really well. I'm really proud of it. If, uh, if you go and check out uh, Adam's uh, Twitter feed, there are some clips on there, at Adam Rowe uh, Comedy, R-O-W-E. And very funny bit on there I enjoyed when you were talking about the idea of Idris Elba being the next Bond. We won't give too much away. It's a very funny bit. So uh, those clips are available, aren't they, on social media. And people can go and watch the full special on YouTube. You can watch the full special on YouTube. Uh, and yeah, I'm currently in the process of pulling different little clips out of it and putting those individual clips out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and stuff like that. And yeah, the, there was a, a, the closing routine of the special is about Idris Elba being, I, I think he should be the next James Bond. Hmm. And it, just, it there was a there was a news story the other day that meant that it almost made that joke topical, so it seemed like a good day to put it out. (laughs) No, it was very funny. Adam, look, good to talk to you. Look after yourself and uh, enjoy when you win the title. No doubt we'll get you back when it's confirmed. So thanks for joining us. Thanks very much for having us, guys. I really appreciate it. Speak to you soon. All the best. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. And there we are. Uh, That was uh, this afternoon's show. We're back tomorrow from one. We will have uh, Motti joining us to look ahead to the weekend's football, plus more live racing and, of course, some fresh clips of the week. So thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 